This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to Spotlight on eWomen, the place for everything eWomen Network. Entrepreneur, enterprising, enlightening, and exciting. Please welcome your eWoman host, Phyllis Smith. Hello and welcome to Spotlight on eWomen Network. Yes, I am Phyllis Smith. So many of you, I'm guessing, keep journals. I probably have about 10 different ones that are floating around my house somewhere, hidden from my eyes only. Well, my guest today went a step further. She's a real estate agent in Wisconsin and Minneapolis, St. Paul, by trade. But she's had a passion for writing. Her own journal was always meant for her children to see after she passed away. But instead, she decided to put it all out there and publish a book. Here to tell us about her book and her journey to become a published author, please welcome another one of our esteemed eWomen Network members, Denise Krogman. Denise, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Phyllis. I am honored to be here. So the name of your book is Pillow Talks and Comforters. Why the title? Well, it's got kind of a multifold story to it. Um, I've I've been on 24 addresses in my life. I have, like many, traveled many different walks, um, been married, been divorced. My kids have grown and left. Um, challenges along the way, inspirations along the way. But the one consistent that has always been is my God and my pillow. And so as others come and go, most often I'm laying in the quiet of night by myself and talking about life and sorting thoughts and questions with my pillow. So the pillow, that is that side of the title. And another part of it is um, I'm a quilter in earlier days and lost my mother along the way. And the comforter of my quilt that I've hand-stitched in her passing has great meaning and depth. Mm, and you, you actually quilted quilted while you went to visit her when she was in a coma, correct? Tell us about that story. Well, um, years before, I started a quilting class here locally at the local dry goods store, it was called. And each week, it was a 12-week course, and each week was a different kind of quilting, so we made one square. Um, Those squares I created along the way, and I made sure the fabrics matched, of course, but I really didn't have a vision for the quilt itself. I was just doing them piece by piece. Well, life passes and goes on, and, you know, the the squares are done, and they're sitting on the shelf, and my mother ends up with a brain tumor. Um, Mm. It was a, a shock to us all, but a long story short, she actually went from being an independent woman Um, to falling in the garage on a weekend and being found by my brother, who then, in turn, they took her to the hospital to check for concussion and found out that she had a tumor. The following week, she had the brain tumor removed um, and never went back home again. Went from Mm -hmm. the hospital to a rehab, from rehab to nursing home. In that journey of nursing home months, and it was about five months long, I would say, um, I would drive that hours back home um, every Saturday and sit bedside with her. And in the process, I found myself pulling these squares off of the shelf and finishing them up. But the whole thing is hand-stitched, so it was easy to take with me. And 
in early months, I would, you know, do her hair and nails, um, and we'd chat. The last three, four months of her life, she was unable to chat, and so I would sit and quote. And mm-hmm. I would talk, and I think without question that she heard, and I'd tell her stories of my children or things that we had done in the past. And this quote was kind of something that, to me, holds significance to my mother. As I finished it sitting bedside, and now it hangs on my wall. Mm. This uh, this book um, was initially actually was meant your your journals uh, the, your writings <laughs> were you, you put it together and was really meant just for your children as I had mentioned earlier. Um, tell us what are some of the things that you wrote about before you decided to publish it that you felt it was important for your children to see and to know about you. Um, you know, I think. I don't see myself different than most moms. And I think our heart and souls are lived to help our children, to guide them, to teach them. And then sometimes we even live through them. Um, For me, the writings that were supposed to go into the three ring binder, you know, and left in my cedar chest for my kids to discover later in life were things that um, when my daughter went off to prom for the first time and I'm sitting up waiting for her, I recall writing a piece about what I was thinking and wishing for her. Um, When my son moved away and put his things into the car and headed west, not knowing where he was going to go, not having much money, but kind of in search of his own heart and soul, after challenges of divorce amongst his mom and dad, and just needing to find some direction, I think, and some piece of his own heart. Um, I wrote a piece as he left. Um, You know, just wishes that we had for our littles when they're born, um, starting with my own heart in the process of divorce and how I felt and my prides and my struggles and, you know, things that I faced, um, medical conditions or beyond. It was just I wanted them to know who their mother was. Mm. Why would you want to wait? Now, obviously, the point's moot, but at the time... Why wouldn't you tell them while you were still around so that they can listen to you and look you in the eye and, and feel it from you? Why, why, would it, why was it something you wanted in writing? Well, the pieces that I've written in some of those occasions, they have been given at the time. Um, I gave my daughter the prom letter. It was waiting on her pillow when she got home that night. Mm. Um, my son went off to college and I wrote him a piece and tucked it under his pillow in his apartment. Um, thinking that he would be embarrassed by his mother's words and, you know, hide it or trash it away only to find out when I moved him out of that apartment here, he had it posted up on his bulletin board. So I know that my writing is important to them as it is to I, And I think, you know, in the busyness of life and the growing of years, as parents, we don't often tell our kids what our personal deep thoughts are because we're busy worried about them. We're Mm -hmm. doing our tasks. We're taking care of daily, you know, needs. And I look at my own mom, and there are so many questions that I have now that I never took the time to ask her. And I never realized it until she was gone. So preserving who I am as their mother and I as Denise, the woman independent, are and what I believe and how I see life, I think those things are important and they don't know enough to ask them now because they haven't reached that place in their own lives. Mm. 
You know, it reminds me of Bridges of Madison County when the kids, you know, when they, they found their mother's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, her journals yeah. and the secret of her secret love. So now you decide, you know, you go public um, and yeah. you're putting your stories out there. Um, why that? Why go public? I'm not sure, actually. Sometimes it's scary as heck because what I'm writing about and what I'm sharing with the world is very vulnerable stuff. It's very deep and personal to myself and my own walk. And part of the prompting, um, it's multifold again, but part of the prompting is as I write privately, um, something will prompt me. And there's been occasions that I have written, for example, on the plane as I'm traveling to visit my son and his family in Seattle, I'm, I look out the window, my window seat, and I'm just kind of intrigued by the Rockies this trip. And it's, I've traveled it many times, but for some reason I felt prompted to take a photo in the snow-capped mountains drifting down and so forth. Um, I'm going to take a nap. I sit back, and I can't get to sleep until I pull out my iPad and I write something. It's like that's my life. So I pull out the iPad, and this little, you know, blurb falls out. Um, it's 10, 15 minutes. takes me to do it. I have never changed a word. It is in the book. Um, I put that away, and I start to lean back, and this elder woman next to me in the seat beside uh, kind of taps me on the hand and, you know, interrupts me and says, I'm sorry, but I'm wondering, are you a writer? And I said, well, yes, I do write. And she says, are you an author? And she gave me a gift in that moment because I've never called myself an author before. To me, that's Mm -hmm. different than being a writer. Um, So I kind of thought on that for a second and smiled and said, well, yeah, I am. Um, And she said, did you just write something? And I said, yes, I did. And do you mind if I read it? So I passed my iPad and she read it and I watched her cry. Mm. She sat there and read this short little piece and she wept. And I was so moved to see what the writings that come out of me can do for someone else. Cause I know what they do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's embarrassed and she apologizes for her tears and, and I'm assure her, Oh no, I'm honored to see how my words affect someone else. You gifted me, you know, your emotions. And she just kind of looks at me and smiles and says, well, my daughter was a writer and I'm like, it's a gift and a curse. I mean, there's good and bad in this, in this gift of writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and she says, my daughter passed away last month. Mm-hmm. And she asks if I have additional writings that she could continue to read as we flew. Well, of course, I you know, turned her loose in my iPad, which is loaded with stuff. And she just, you know, looked to me and I, I just, mm-hmm. she says, I'm so grateful that you're sitting beside me. She says, I feel my daughter's here beside me through you. And I was mm-hmm. Mm. And, and you know, I mean, I'm a faith-filled woman, and I feel God working through me all the time. Mm. These, these scenarios and these situations are not new to me. Um, and I think in my gut, I feel like everybody gets them, but most people don't listen. You know, we don't, we don't pay attention. We don't, we don't notice the little things in every day that are just truly gifts. Yeah. We get so much into our head. The interesting thing is I love when you say there's a difference between a writer and, the, and an author. 
it's mm. if author feels bigger than yourself. A writer, you know, <sighs> it's, it's, it seems so much sort of personal, you know, it's just something that's just there for you. You know, you can, we mm-hmm. can write articles and things like, but there's something about being an author um, that is, is bigger than yourself. And the writing, since you say it flows through you, you don't even think about it. And that there is some, it feels, and it sounds like there is some kind of divine inspiration that, that uh, puts, that gets you to, you know, that's working through your fingers. Always, always. And, and not always convenient. <laughs> I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, my friends will laugh. I mean, I can be in the shower at home and all of a sudden this stuff flows. It's like the water turns on the shower and washes the stuff out. And I literally have to get out of the shower, go and, you know, sit at my desk and write something and then go back and finish. I mean, it's, it's almost comical even as I look at it myself. Mm-hmm. It wakes me up in the middle of the night. I can imagine. See, I, what happens to me is is I love to write, but I, I tend to have things in my head that wake me up. And if I only had mm-hmm. that journal next to me and I would just shut up in my head, tell my brain to shut up and just write about it, I would be much better off and a lot less tired during the day. So, yes. um, and I, you know, I think that this is a curse of creative people. You know, we, our minds are always creating and, um, and it, and it, when you are creative, I believe it does come from your heart. You can't help it. And, mm-hmm. and so to mm-hmm. have that gift, you know, and also the discipline. I mean, you have something with you, an iPad or whatever you've had, to be there yeah. as your vehicle for you to express yourself. So um, we all need to learn from that, especially as creative people. Um, you, how hard is it for you to be vulnerable to the world, to, you know, once it's out there, it's out there for in perpetuity. I mean, it's written, it's published, the world could read it. How hard is that? Is that hard for you to be that vulnerable? You know, it, it, it has come over time. Um, earlier in years, absolutely. I, I was one of these people who lived with that cover on the outside looking good to everybody, no matter how terrible I felt inside. Um, you know, it was just necessary in my world. I, I felt like in some ways that was my survival. Um, but through the later years in life, I think, you know, with maturity and wisdom is what I credit it. We get to this place where it's like, this is who I am. And I'd say probably two, three years ago was the first time that I've learned to not only say out loud that I love myself, but to actually mm-hmm. believe it in my heart and soul. And once I reached that place of acceptance of me, of self, then the vulnerability, yes, it's, it's definitely hard because I don't ever want to hurt anyone else. And some of the writings can be misunderstood because they come from deep and they come from personal experience. Um, and I want them to be read as helpful and supportive and, you know, good things. And some people from the past may not always feel that way as they read them. But it is my heart and soul, and it's written from within me and totally related to just, you know, in generic terms. Um, So it is what it is. Um, And I just have no question that by allowing myself to be vulnerable and put it out there to the world, others will benefit. And it's in that light that I am okay, you know, exposing myself in a sense and just letting it be read. 
Yeah, because coming from I've seen a, it, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen it come back at me from other people as as something yeah. positive and supportive, and you know I'm blessed. I'm so blessed, um, and, and I cherish the worst of moments in the past because that's fueled and built me to be who I am today. Mm. And you're coming from a place of service is what it sounds like to me. And uh, mm. we are, need to take a short break, Denise. Uh, Denise Krogman, um, I do want to say this, what's one thing that's interesting when we come back, we'll talk about this, that you are now living in your 24th residence, which <laughs> is fitting for a real estate agent. <laughs> but we are going to find out when we come back after this break what these moves, uh, what how they played what role they played in your book. So stay tuned. You know what drives me crazy? When business owners believe that just because they're not on stage speaking, they don't need stage presence. Stages come in all shapes and sizes. You're on the stage when you're in a boardroom, talking to a prospect, or introducing yourself and your company. I invite you to join me on a free educational webinar called How to Triple Your Income Through Speaking. Learn the critical ingredients to make impact and income on any type of stage. Go to speakersuccessformula.com and grab your spot now. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Are you ready to rise up and share all your greatness to the world? Stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network Entrepreneur Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year, August 3rd through the 5th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Get ready to be coached by me and learn from other multi-million dollar speakers who will teach, inspire, motivate, and guide you to transform your thinking from small to big. And you can't beat the food and fun at our Saturday night dance party either. Look, no one makes it alone, so it's time to stop trying to be the COE, chief of everything and step into your role as CEO. There is nothing like the eWomen Network Conference to bring out your genius and help you take action on living your dream. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. We're back. This is Spotlight on eWomen with Phyllis Smith. Yes, and welcome back. I am so feel so privileged today to be speaking with this wonderful lady, Denise Krogman. Uh, she is an author and uh, written her first book based on her um, journals that she kept that at one time was meant just for her eyes only and eventually her children after she passed. I want to say she is a healthy woman. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going anywhere anytime soon, folks. But uh, you know how it is. It's like, I have to tell you, Denise, it's funny because uh, I actually, there were things that I had written in some of my journals that I just didn't want my kids to know. I felt that they were kind mm. of, maybe they had some darkness. There were some things I didn't want them. I don't know. I just, and so I actually threw them out. And I felt that they oh. were, for, they were, yeah, well, uh, you know, I just, w when I pass, I don't want them, you know, I want mm -hmm. them 
to feel uh, like some of the things you talked about, about when your child daughter went to her prom and your son went off and to find himself, mm-hmm. you know, those are very inspirational. I think that there's some things and I, I, I ask you, were there some things that you didn't share in this book that you wrote about because you felt that they were not something that you wanted the public to know? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. You know, my writing and my pillow have been my best friends through life. Mm-hmm. You know, my writing, my pillow, and my God. The three unconditionals that have never thought less of me than another. They've never walked away. They have stood strong beside me, while others have come and gone all along the way. Um, so there's things that I've really cleansed my gut um, on personal points that definitely I have not included in the book. And I can't say that I've destroyed them yet, although that's probably not a bad idea in some ways. But <laughs> You burn it. You know, you make it if they were bad. It's like you burn it, they're gone, you move on. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, in the years, part of my growth process or self-healing, because that's basically how I've gotten to today, to loving myself, is to self-heal. Um, many times I have gone to the river and, you know, picked up a rock and sat down and, you know, meditated upon that rock and applied the struggles and the burdens and, you know, the ill feelings or whatever it is that I'm struggling with at that time to that rock and said a prayer over it and tossed it out into the water, mm-hmm. getting rid of it. And, you know, so some of the cleansing has happened, happened that way. But, yeah, absolutely, there are things that, you know, personal and, and out of respect more so than anything, I honestly can say there isn't anything that I have done in my life that I would apologize for now. Um, You know, it's just not that I'm perfect by any means, but I think I'm human. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to forgive myself, and I've forgiven others as well, and they probably have no clue because they've never talked to me about it, so they would never know. But for my own benefit and my own health and wellness, I've needed to extend forgiveness. So how did you choose what stories that you wanted the public to know? Um, well, some of them I don't have a choice. They just really serve a purpose, and it's so clear. Um, and, and it's still coming. I mean, it's like it still comes out. I'm already into book two because I have more pieces that I've written that you know, missed book one. So it, it just continues to flow. Um, some of them are just pretty self-driven. Some of it is... Um, you know, there's a couple that I, I put in and then I pulled out because I mm-hmm. felt like, okay, maybe this will be misunderstood. And it's so important to me that this book be read with with depth um, and in service, but also with the positivity because it's a mm-hmm. book of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, one of the stories starts out, you know, thank you for the haters and the believers in me, not for through you I found. And then it goes on. I mean, there's just so many so good things, that, and there's some that, cool stuff. Is that is that kind of a message or theme that runs throughout? Is this is that it's it's a book of gratitude? Is that your main mm. message that you want people to to pull from this? Yep, gratitude, hopefulness. Hopefulness is a huge part of it. Um, faith that there is a plan and a purpose, and that even in the darkest of moments. There is a purpose being served that will serve you well or that is being served through you to help another. Um, 
there's just so many great things and and obviously faith-filled as well there's god moments left and right in this book and prayers you know prayers that i've said in my deepest and darkest and loneliest moments as my pillow and i have chatted <laughs> mm. um and there's some lighter funner stuff as well so you know like so can you share with us just one example of a, one of one of your many stories that really stands out for you? You said that you 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 chose stories that had a purpose. So can mm-hmm. you tell us just briefly in summary, of course, one story that you feel serves a purpose and what that purpose is? Okay, I'll try to make it quick. Um, the story's not short. But one of them is another real-life experience. Um, and I was in ninth grade. I was in, it was my English class with Mr. Mead. I sat in the last seat in the second row from the door. I remember this moment as if it was today. Um, sitting in the last seat, we get our assignment, I pick up my paper, and I'm stuck. And I'm a lover of word, and I write even in ninth grade. Um, but Mr. Mead, our teacher, was to me a very intimidating man. And whether I did that or whether he implied that, it doesn't really matter. I just was afraid of him. So it took me a great amount of courage to get up and go stand next to his desk because I was going to speak to him about the assignment. He's correcting papers with his red pen, head down, totally lets me stand there and continues to correct papers. Just does not acknowledge that I'm standing right beside him. Um, Eventually he sets his pen down and says yes, but doesn't look up. And I said you know, I know what the assignment is, but I'm stuck and I don't think I can do it. And he sets his pen down and he rolls his head to the right where I stood and he looks at me in the eyes and rolls his head back down without a word, picks up his pen, goes back to correcting and says, maybe you can't, but I believe you can. Please return to your seat. Hmm. I go back to my seat. I don't remember the assignment. I don't remember finishing it. I remember the moment, I remember a scene from a summer place was playing on the phonograph across the room. Fast forward, I have used that reference and his belief in me through some really big decision points in life. Mm. Um, And about eight, nine years ago, I was pondering on that moment again, and I went to the web and searched out and found out that he was still alive. Now, I'm, you know, I'm in my 60s. So this was a long time ago, and I wrote a letter and sent it off to him, just feeling like I had done what I was supposed to do, not knowing if he'd get it or if he'd respond. I expected nothing out of it, but I smiled as I dropped it in the mailbox. And my letter was reminding him of that moment and sharing with him how his words had made a difference in my life. Do I file for divorce or do I not? Maybe you can't make it, but I believe that you can. Um, Mm. Do I take this job? Do I not? You know, do I relocate by myself miles away and further away from my children, or do I not, as they're, you know, older in college years? Um, To my delight, he not only got the letter, but he wrote back, and we exchanged a couple of different letters, and it was just such a gift. So that story is the story of the moment in class is there. And then there's another phrase that I refer to in the book as my backstory. And it's Mm -hmm. what I did with that reflection and memory by taking action. And then at the end of that, I challenged the reader, is there someone that you should reach to? Is there someone that you owe a gratitude to? Perhaps you should do something today. Mm. 
Beautiful. Wow, what a story. You know, both of my parents are teachers, and they've gotten letters from kids, you know, uh, they're in their, mm. they're in their 80s now, from mm-hmm. um, kids, the, the difference that they've made in their life. My dad was a phys ed teacher in an elementary school, and he recently got um, either an email, I think an email, um, uh, or a letter from a guy who, one of his former students from elementary school who lives in California saying what a difference my dad made in his life. And he's, you know, for that, right? So I think it also goes to show you that, you know, from both angles, as a, that mm-hmm. when you come from a place of serving others, uh, which is, you know, what, as you know, what eWomen Network is all about is, is yep. to serve then you don't know, number one, what difference you're going to make in somebody else's life. And you don't know, and you don't know uh, what difference someone else is going to make in your life. So that's, a, mm-hmm. that's quite a story. I, I, it's uh, really beautiful on, on, in a, for a lot of reasons. Um, we're about to run out of time. One thing that you want your readers to get from this book, one thing you want them to walk away with. Um, you know what? Never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. You know, if you're, if you're down in the dumps or you're in a struggle, then be in that struggle wholly. Or give yourself a day off and sit down in that hole in the, in the dumps. Because tomorrow the sun's going to come up and there is no limit to what you can do and be. And it's all right to just take a moment and, and you know, be pitiful to yourself if that's what feels good in the day. But don't let it happen two days in a row. Mm. You know, find that strength inside whether it's speaking to the universe or praying to God or, you know, talking to someone that's special to you, it, it, there is a way to always be dealing with it and go forward and never give up. Always believe. It, you know, I, I reminds me of a, I read an article once, uh, Jennifer Aniston of all people said, um, you know, uh, she, it, when she was asked about how her, the crush, you know, when Brad Pitt ended their relationship mm. and she said she was seeing a therapist at the time and said, okay, you get one day to be a victim after that, yeah. what are you going to do? So that's, yeah. yeah, along the same lines. So, uh, hey, this is, uh, Denise, it's so great. How can people buy your, your wonderful book? Well, um, the, it will be out on ebook, and it is out on Amazon. Um, it's in hard copy in some of the boutique-type stores. And you can also search it out at um, denisecrogmanauthor.com. And that's Denise Krogman, that's K-R-O-G-M-A-N. Um, yes. and, uh, exactly. So, uh, well, good luck to you and thank you so much for, for writing this book, for serving us with your words. And, uh, I look forward to reading it myself. I mean, I, I feel like I've already read it in just our conversation, but I, <laughs> it's one of those things I would like to have in my bookcase to refer to, you know, um, over time, uh, when, when things do get tough and I need to be reminded about my own gratitude and, and how to get through. So thank you so much. You bet. I appreciate the time. Thank you. God bless. Time's up for now. If you want more enlightening conversations that could change your life, visit EWNRadioNetwork.com. This is the EWN Radio Network.